Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Feeney from the Deep Dive Podcast, where we look for buried treasures hidden within streaming media services like Netflix and Amazon Prime. This is a podcast where real medical professionals discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless you're pinhead and you need an emergency acupuncturist, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as That's Not Yeast, It's Not, the story of the beer I had earlier. Um, (laughs) That thing was disgusting. It was gross. This is Hi Everybody, a bad medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, now iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. and you can find us on social media at Hi Everybody MD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yep. And then just a random thank you to the person who wrote, recorded our bumper this week. And yeah. if you would like to record a bumper, you can find us on any of our social media handles or email us at Hi Everybody Podcast at gmail.com. We've got the description and everything for you. And yeah, at the end of the episode, You'll hear one more time who it was that gave us this introduction this week. Yep. Uh, so, Jackson, what are we talking about this week on Hi, Everybody? So, we are on the last week of Hortober 2019. Hortober. Hortober. So, it's going to be American Horror Story, uh, the new season. And actually, this most this week's most recent episode, um, which surprisingly is their 100th episode. So, oh. we thought it would be a good one to talk about this week. Uh, happy birthday, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Like, he doesn't have enough success already. Yeah, yeah. Finally, he's hit the big time. He's he's, Another um, show that hit 100 episodes for him. Syndication money, man. Oh, yeah. I don't... I feel like this episode would not be great for syndication, though, on, like, your network Saturday. Oh, you you don't think that the Satanist Execution episode is a CBS Saturday afternoon show? I I mean, they tried to do that with Dexter, I think, a few years back, where they tried to clean up uh, the Showtime series for, like, CBS primetime. It was not the same show. Like, they cut out a lot of stuff. Wow. Like, when, what's, I forgot, Dokes, I think, went in, you know, mm-hmm. like, Surprise Mother or something. Yeah. They tried to put Dokes in there. They cut all the swearing. Um, the kill scenes just didn't look the same. And then they tried to tidy up him dumping bodies into the river. Or, sorry, into the bay, because he mm-hmm. was the, the bay butcher. So it didn't look as good. So I highly just, doubt this would be the same. Yeah. The episode we're talking about uh, is uh, in the 1984 season. Yeah. Uh, the eighth season. Yeah. Ninth uh, season, actually. Ninth season, sorry. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's all, like, kind of centered around this camp, and there's been some massacres, and actually, you can actually see one scene in the camp. I think it was just, like, someone got their neck sliced, and there was a one time where I said, that's too much blood because it was an inappropriate cut. Right. Yeah, I I looked at it and I said, "Oh my gosh, finally we're seeing enough blood." And I immediately and stopped you. said, "Well, actually." Yeah, cuz they cut right in the front of the neck and um in that area it's just like it's just your larynx. Cartil- yeah, it's cartilage and stuff. And the crazy part is you're not hitting any carotids. And I actually saw a patient who her brother sliced her throat mm-hmm. um, while she was asleep because she was on suicide watch because they were afraid she was going to kill herself and the brother got tired of doing that for so much that he did it. And tried to slice her throat. But... I think, like, you told me that story, yeah. like, the third week we knew each yeah. other. <laughs> and here's the crazy part was, it was the cleanest cut. There's not that much blood around there. Cause, and especially when you look at the episode where they cut, which was just about a maybe three, two to three inch cut right in the front of the neck. There's not that much um, 
blood there. And mm-hmm. even if you did nick like maybe the external jugular or maybe the internal jugular, there's not that much pressure. It's until you hit an artery where that's the pressure loading mm-hmm. vessel. That's when you would expect the blood splatter that would be beautiful. But in this one, not so much of a blood splatter. So A for effort, life. D for accuracy. Correct. Which is surprising. I mean, Ryan Murphy loves the bloody stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that there's so much blood, I should say. But, um, yeah. but that's not the scene that we, we came here to talk about this week. No, surprisingly not. It's all about how Emma Roberts' character, Brooke, was framed for mass- the massacre at the campground, which is the, the kind of the whole basis of this whole scene. Yeah, it's a Friday the 13th uh, sort of except, that that kind of murder. Yeah, except with Richard Ramirez and Satanism. Yeah. Yeah. In this episode, uh-huh. uh, spoilers, the character Brooke is executed. Yes. She is executed um, by lethal injection, and Richard Ramirez kind of visits her or kind of explains to her yeah, how he, he, he wants astral to astral projects into her, yes. into her prison cell. But also explaining how he wants to die versus how she's going to die. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's funny how he describes him getting the electric chair as lightning bolts getting like striking him and then him going out like that mm-hmm. and there were cases i know we're not a true crime podcast but like of people getting the uh the electric chair i should say where they do like get completely shocked out and then catch on fire too mm-hmm. like at the end of spoilers green mile at the, at the end of the green mile yeah so if you're not properly um if there's not enough good contact like if that sponge is not wet enough if it's not conductive yeah that'll cause that and the theory behind the electric chair they wanted they thought this was a more humane way to go because it's two rounds of shocks it's not just one Mm -hmm. i don't know how much you know about the electric chair very little Uh, i I missed that day in in biology class yeah yeah i I missed electric chair day at central catholic high school so electrocution like i know we use that term like if you get shocked or anything like that they call that electrocution the term actually comes from electric um, execution Really? Yes. So the actual, that term electrocution did not get developed until you, um, the creation of the electric chair hmm. as electric execution, hence electrocution. So you actually, the first shock is really meant to knock you out. The second one is supposed to be alternating current at such a velocity or a rate that would cause your heart to go into an arrhythmia. And that's what kills you. Not so, so much. Basically, so you don't get fried, you get... You get a heart attack, Correct. essentially. Yeah, you're sending your heart into an unstable rhythm, and that's what kills your heart. Because basically half of your... your The reason why your body works is through electrical activity mm-hmm. and um, just like a sustained process or just exchange of ions really is what keeps you alive. Anything that disrupts the exchange of ions is what kills you. So that's how the electric chair works. And surprisingly, the affecting of the exchange of ions is actually how you die from lethal injection, too. Really? Yep, so Richard Ramirez does explain how um, she was going to die, and it's a three-drug process, which is the standard drug process. Mm-hmm. He says, first you get anesthesia, which makes you lose consciousness, which is true. Usually the first drug that they use is sodium pentothal. Um, some some places are trying to experiment with, like, Versed, which is midazolam, but that's very short-acting. Um, at least the sodium pentothal kind of lasts a little longer. Mm-hmm. Then the second one you get is a paralytic. Which does stop your breathing, and I think what they usually use is pancuronium bromide. In the hospitals, we use like vecuronium or rocuronium. That paralyzes you. You use them as paralytics. You mean? Yeah, before we intubate you, putting a breathing tube in. Because if you don't if you don't paralyze someone before you intubate them, their vocal cords keep kind of fluttering, and it's really hard to pass something through. Because if you hit the cords, 
then they slam shut. Yeah. And then you have a new We talked about that. I don't remember what episode we were talking about. It was, uh, it might have been Human Centipede. Could be. Where where we were talking about intubating. Yeah. But your heart still beats because it's a different um, muscle type than the things that get uh, paralyzed Mm -hmm. with this paralytic drug. Then the third thing that kills you is potassium chloride. And the key thing you want to remember in this one is he says it's all colorless. Okay, at least colorless and odorless. Colorless and odorless, and that's what kills you. Even though, spoiler alert, when you cut later into the episode, all they're all three, colored. They're all colored yeah. yellow. Yeah. Every single one of them. So that that's kind of crazy there. He does say that it burns going in, which is true. It, we, we've heard that before because we do give people potassium chloride to replete them when they have low potassium. And they do complain that it does burn going in. So... They finally bring her... So later into the episode, probably in the last few minutes or so, they bring her back into the execution chamber. Mm-hmm. And you see them starting an IV with like a needle and all that. And, yeah. and a and syringe, it's, too. Yeah, and it's the same right angle that we always see. The dramatic... Correct. The, the dramatic injection. I will say the additional problem with it, too, is usually with lethal injection, you want a thicker needle. Mm-hmm. Um, the needle they use is like the baby thinnest needle in the world. And the problem with using that is if you're pushing high volume amounts of medication. And they were, we saw. Yeah, and they look very high. Can you imagine? Put, it's like trying to suck a milkshake through a very narrow straw. It's right. really hard to do. And at some point, the straw might collapse or it might get clogged up. And that's another issue with doing something like that. Like you're, Again, now at that point, now you're causing cruel and unusual punishment because... You're looking for a vein. You can't find one. You finally get one. You're pushing meds in. It doesn't work. You have to restart it. You have to put in a new one. You're causing mental anguish at that point. Mm-hmm. I know we're not debating the ethical nature of death penalties and all that stuff. but This was covered in my Catholic high school. <laughs> as, a, as a guy who also went to Catholic high school, they did discuss this, but they were very crazy about it. So we'll <laughs> pass on that part. But yeah, and we don't start an IV using a syringe with the needle. Mm-hmm. Like It's just the needle. And sometimes with just a little um, kind of tubing next to it that's locked a little bit with some fluid yeah. in there, just so we can see the flash and whatnot. But most of the time, we're just doing it with the needle. Once we see the flash of blood in there, you pull out the angiocat or the needle part, leaving the little, how do I say it? It looks like almost like a straw, yeah. the angiocat remaining back there. And then you hook everything up to it. And I, I didn't see any part where they hooked everything up to it, too. I've been binging Fringe mm-hmm. recently and noticed that they've actually been doing that right, as far as I know, when, whenever, because they're, they're knocking someone out every every three episodes. Yeah. And they're, Fringe they're, medicine. Yeah. Uh, they're at least doing the... They're, they're not inserting an IV with a syringe. They're no. using a syringe. Yeah, they're just using a needle. Yeah. And usually it looks like a sharp needle, mm-hmm. at least from what I remember of Fringe, because I used to watch that every week all the time. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, then it just fell off the... The rails super crazy with all the observers and stuff like yeah. that. But we're not a fringe podcast yet. 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 Correct. Um, and then you kind of see him, you kind of see in the background the three syringes kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one was hooked up to a stopcock. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Part. I did notice that because. It, Why? There's no that need was for my an question extra stopcock. Too. Yeah. Because you don't need so to. So essentially, every syringe was also hooked onto a little valve that they yep. would open or close. Yeah. That they opened. I think um, they closed them each other, actually. <laughs> if, I, if I remember how stopcocks look like, and I could be wrong in this, I think they closed them each single time they did it um, and then probably changed it afterward. Um, but you don't need a stopcock there, honestly, because the stuff's not going to just run through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like if you hooked up. 
like a siphon and it just runs automatically once you had, hook everything up, you do have to push that in. So I don't know why that was there. Mm-hmm. And then all the meds looked exactly the same. They did look exactly the same. I do have a question about mm-hmm. the pacing of it. Mm-hmm. It felt to me that it was even though we didn't see a hand, it was being all of the syringes were being depressed. Yes, was that speed that they were going at? Was it slow and dramatic, or was that accurate? I mean, I think it's limited by how much tubing you had in Mm -hmm. the bore of the needle again. So I think it's about right. I mean, modern execution machines for lethal injection, there's like six needles in there, and then three of them are filled with dummies, so you don't know which one's pushing which. But I think the rate that they push was right. The only problem I have is the pacing in between each medication given. Mm -hmm. So you're not giving any time for the medication to take effect. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so... They they push them pretty much consecutively, like yeah. two it, seconds. It all happened within within two minutes. Two minutes, yeah, because time of death was a, so was execution at midnight, execution was at or time of death was at twelve oh two, so they didn't really give any time for each medication to take effect. Mm-hmm. I would assume the at least when I'm getting ready to intubate a patient, the sedative takes about a minute, so we wait about a minute. The paralytic takes about a minute, and then we push the last one. So I would wait. A whole minute mm-hmm. or and that's the longest minute in the world like when you have a crashing patient you're like okay push the meds okay now we gotta wait and we'll just stand there awkwardly kind of looking at the clock and then someone just goes okay it's been a minute okay push the next med okay let's sit here and awkwardly talk okay now push it waiting a whole minute is a lot longer than you'd think in a stressful situation like that and I'm surprised they didn't give her any time to mm-hmm. break so Essentially, they could have just paralyzed her without full onset of the anesthetic, and she would have been paralyzed while conscious. Which, which is, is, t- sounds which like a, is a Stephen King story. Correct. That just sounds like a nightmare. I don't know if you've had st- sleep paralysis before, which is actually mm-hmm. a real medical condition. Yep. You wake up, you're like, I can't move my whole body. It's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. Same for this one. Yeah. So that is not good in that kind of thing. So they push the meds too quick, and they called the time of death so they, so quickly they called the time of death incredibly quickly and with no examination whatsoever correct they just said she's dead yep i pushed all the meds no way you're coming back to life from this one surprisingly there's no like medical professional on yeah. scene to even well we don't know it. who the well we found out who the executioner was at the end of the episode mm-hmm. um but what what who would generally do this so they do have doctors that will mm-hmm. come in like, the medical examiner would mm-hmm. be one person that would come in, or the staff physician would come mm-hmm. in and actually call time of death. But it always brings up this ethical dilemma, like, can you as the doctor be the one that pushes the medications, or even start the IV, for right. that matter? And, you know, it's against the Hippocratic Oath. You're not supposed to do any harm. Like, that's the thing we're always taught. Do no harm, right? Um, so usually, in those situations, you're getting a nurse or even an untrained professional, like maybe even a warden, mm-hmm starting an IV or a prison guard starting the IV and they might not be trained to do it really well and that's why sometimes that can prolong it for a lot longer than it should be. That's terrifying. It is very terrifying at that point. So after they did that when they pronounced her dead they kind of rushed her back to the morgue area pretty quickly. Very quickly uh, which it turns out is a good thing Mm -hmm. because they revert the death penalty Uh and it turns out that it a character that that we know from earlier in the season correct that was the masked executioner yeah that it obviously has further plans for her yeah she did look very pale for someone who was dead mm-hmm. like 
Emma Roberts looked pretty like normal. To Emma Robertsy. Yeah, but there's no medication that at least I don't know how long, how much time had elapsed between time of death and her being brought back to the morgue mm-hmm. and brought back to life. But people were pretty lackadaisical about getting her out of the area. But once they got into the hallway, they kind of went pretty quick. There's no real meds that can reverse that kind of death. Okay. Um, I have had situations where people have too high of a potassium. We, we've yeah we've and that is reversible right like i had residents that told me oh my god the potassium's high fix it i'm like okay and this is it. rapidly becoming a potassium podcast correct because this is we've, we've talked talk, about this talked before about potassium quite a bit but there's no like magic antidote to push in mm-hmm. and then reverse the potassium overdose without sustaining especially not in, in eight seconds correct but also her heart stopped right right or did it or did it because we don't know if the drugs are switched. Because, right. as they mentioned earlier in the episode, potassium chloride is a colorless drug. Mm-hmm. All that was yellow. So did she get a bunch of sedative, maybe, that and knocked then... her out and made her stop breathing? But if she did stop breathing, shouldn't she turn purple? Yeah. Shouldn't she turn? Pur- shouldn't she turn purple? Shouldn't she? Her heart stopped already. Yeah. Uh, no one's doing CPR. She... Of course, no one's doing CPR. No one's doing CPR. But she did. Yeah. Like, there's no blood flowing to the brain. She's not going to gasp and wake up and instantly recognize this person who saved her life because her brain is mush. Yeah, because she's been at least not breathing for the past two minutes. At least. And that's a long time for you to be down. Like, out-of-hospital arrests lasting for that long, the actual rate or actual percentage of recovery is very low, like less than 5 or I think it's like less than 5%. So she did. All right. And that ends the season there. <laughs> I know uh, they're building they, for something epic. We yeah. don't know. We don't know they, what's happening next, so we might be doing a follow-up episode correct, this, er, but, early next week. Yeah, it could be one of those mini-episode kind of situations. But we don't know if the drugs were switched because I don't know if that was the the red herring or mm-hmm. kind of clue that Ryan Murphy or whoever wrote yeah. this episode was trying to suggest that she didn't get potassium chloride. The colorless, odorless herring. Correct. That's the one. Like... That could be the thing that is your MacGuffin or whatever, mm-hmm. or Chekhov's gun even, for next for bringing her back. Yeah. And potentially not making this a giant loophole. Right. I'm sure someone probably talked about it on Reddit or something like that. I'm not... I'm, I'll be honest, I don't follow that much American Horror Story. We watched this episode um, based on my wife's recommendation. Hi. But this is very good for pointing out bad stuff that mm-hmm. happened in this one. For sure. So... You're going to human centipede me? I'm going to human centipede? No, no, we're not going to use that word. <laughs> that is not a verb we're using. You're going to human centipede question me? <laughs> a human centipede is purportedly 100% medically accurate. Mm-hmm. If that is true, how medically accurate was this episode so of less, American Horror Story? Less than 100% for sure. All right. I mean, human centipede at least tried a little bit more <laughs> than this one, I would say. But... You know, the medicine explanation by Richard Ramirez's uh, actor, very good. The execution... The execution of the execution. Execution, not as good. So I probably would go towards like 80 to 90%. 80 to 90% medically accurate. Sorry, Ryan Murphy. Uh, Call call me. I can help you. Yeah. I can help you make this more horror-y. I know a guy. Yeah. I can make Hortober way better. (laughs) American Hortober. Yeah. How would you make it better? I mean, it's sim- it comes always comes down to... Okay, the medication part, that might be a storyline situation. So I'm mm-hmm. not touching that part. But just based on the whole starting the IV and actually doing the execution itself, 
Um, getting a good IV in, that's like, I don't understand why everyone makes it so much more dramatic than it should be. Like, we've, we've touched on this umpteenth times, yeah. right? There's no reason to go so shat, like, so, like, sharp of an angle into the arm. It just looks tacky, and every medical professional in America cringes whenever they see it. So I wonder if it's a prop thing. I wonder if it's... But even if it's a prop thing, it's not that hard to just go shallow. Like, I'm showing Johnny right uh-huh. now on my arm. It's not hard to go shallow in. It still looks just as, like, gross and disturbing to go shallow than to go deep, you know? It, cause, and then once you get that flash of blood, it makes people pass out because, oh my god, blood's coming out of your body in a controlled fashion now. Mm-hmm. It still looks just as bad. So that's not a hard thing. I think hooking her up and priming the tube and all that stuff, setting her up for all that stuff, that still looks really gross too. That can That can be an easy thing to fix as well. So very minor things to fix in this stuff. And then obviously pushing the medications. Why the heck are you using a stopcock? In medicine itself, we rarely use uh, stopcocks unless we're trying to set up pumps, mm-hmm. which is just like continuous infusions or drips like that, or um, giving adenosine to fix someone's weird heart rate where we're trying to push stuff quickly through. But for the most part, I wouldn't use stopcocks on this patient or victim. Pa- patient in quotes. Patient in quotes or victim, I guess, in general. And then um, the other part I would fix is the, the neck slicing scene. Yep. Uh, not as much blood, but you can still make it gross because you can still see maybe the windpipe. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make it a little gross, I mean, if you cut the throat here, you just extend the angle of the cut. Not so much. Not even. Let's say you didn't even do that, and there's a little bit of blood there. If you if they had cut deep enough, you would do essentially a cricothyrotomy. I'm sure you've heard like stories like like Ron Swanson going, "I saved someone with a, a kitchen knife," mm-hmm. who and, or taught a kid how to save their mom using a butter knife performing a cricothyrotomy if you cut the membrane here you're basically exposing the whole windpipe so if you have a little blood here make it bubble it looks just as gross it's kind of like the scene from game of thrones yeah where they they cut here and it was just bubbling and gurgling Mm -hmm. do that looks just as gross looks more accurate much more dramatic hearing the death gurgles than just seeing blood spraying around than just just having blood show up on somebody else we're on a very big horror kick like that is perfect way to end how to make something way gross at the end of uh, hashtag Hortober, for sure. All right. Um, so this is the end of Hashtag Hortober, uh, which will return with or without the same hashtag next year. No, nah, I don't. Uh, it's coming back. It's going to be Hashtag Hortober 2020. But uh, meanwhile, if you've got questions uh, or have a suggestion for us for what we can be doing through no- November as we move into the uh, holiday season, uh, shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or hit us up on social media at Hi Everybody MD. Pretty much everywhere you're gonna find us. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, folks, for a wonderful spooky season, yep. and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast is hosted by Dr. Jackson Vane and me, Johnny Kolosinski. Our intro this week came from Tom Feeney of the Deep Dive Podcast. You can find them at thedeepdivepodcast.com or just by checking the show notes. If you're interested in recording your own intro, you can find instructions on how to do so at hieverybody.libsyn.com.